This is the Time to Refresh podcast with Brad Refresh, the podcast about life, music, traveling, shit, literal shit that is, and weird and wacky stories with Brad and a range of guests from the planet Earth. Feel free to share the pod with your pals, your mom, your neighbor's dog, or even your shrink. It's all fun. You can follow our Facebook group called It's Time to Refresh Community or It's Time to Refresh on Instagram. Write into the pod, ask questions, and share your stories. Enjoy the pod! Hey kid, what time is that? It's time to refresh! You all right, how are we doing? I uh, just want to take two minutes of your time before we start this week's podcast uh, to tell you about our Patreon. Patreon is a tool that we're using to help the podcast grow, um, give you better content and, well, as I said, just let the podcast grow. So we've got three tiers. The first tier, there's only 20 of these spaces available and it's £1 for life and that's for It's Time to Refresh Originals. So if you've tuned in from day one uh, and you want to join the cause, you can sign up for £1. Um, just follow the link in the description. Uh, we've got the standard Patreon, which you get access to bonus episodes, uh, some exclusive content, Patreon specials, which we'll be recording, and uh, early access to all future episodes. So you'll be getting them on a Tuesday instead of a Friday, uh, which I think is fucking amazing for three quid. That's less than a coffee. And then we've got our legend status VIP Patreons, which is uh, £10. And that gets you tickets to all my gigs um, and it will get you free entry to any It's Time to Refresh associated um, events, gigs in the future. Um, So that's a little hint of what's coming up in the future. Um, If you do like the podcast, then please share it with your mates. We are trying to grow this little thing we've got going. We've got some amazing guests coming up in the future as well. um, And we want this to go bigger and better. So sign up at Patreon at patreon.com forward slash it's time to refresh thank you enjoy the episode uh back once again with another podcast this is episode i'm not even sure anymore if i'm honest with you <laughs> uh on this one we've got the general himself uh the biggest export out of jewsbury since shannon matthews uh, <laughs> no that's right isn't it um uh, it's dave gray general bounce I, I don't know whether you're known as a general bounce more dave gray you've it's, I'm probably more known as General Bounce to most people, but it just depends. If you've got me on Facebook, you'll just know me as Dave Grave, a, a massive troll. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how are you doing, mate? All right. I'm good, mate. Thank you very much. How are you? I'm not too bad. Uh, it's been a bit of a weird drive down, but yeah, it's, it's, it's sound. We're yeah, in, it's we're in Leeds at the minute. Yours. <laughs> yeah. um, this has been a bucket list episode because, well, anybody who's listening, they're listening because you are on... Um, and they've seen your name, and it's they know it's going to be an interesting take on everything. Uh, we'll see. The, the drive over here with you has been eye-opening, to say the least. We're we coming over the countryside. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, over the Pennines. <laughs> so what was what was happening last week? Was it was it tidy weekend or last week? It was weekend. tidy weekend of the week before last, yeah. Right. So how was that for you? All right. It was actually really good. Like I say, I don't know um, when, if anybody's been to any of the previous ones, but the last two were a bit gash. Right. It's like, 
And obviously this one, I was actually just going as a clubber because I was booked for the last one, but not for this one. But I was just going as a clubber. And it's like, there's loads of new people there who'd never been to them before, but there was also um, a, a lot of the older people who came were the ones who just came for a good time. It wasn't any of the mongy ones who used to turn it for and just sit in the chalets all the time. So yeah. that kind of made it even better because everybody who was there was up for it. And yeah. it was nice to see loads of people who'd never been to one before getting to experience it and just having a really good time. Because the truth is, there is nothing like a tidy weekend. I think, I think the only thing that's ever come close for any, any especially people in the balancing was the first clubland weekend we did a few years ago yeah the one at pontins was that, yeah, yeah yeah that, that's how it was there, it, obviously tidy weekenders were at pontins as well mm-hmm. and I, I remember when i went to a clubland weekend with phil right everyone who was there on the sunday just looked like we're dying and whereas it's like the tidy weekend what tends to happen is everybody goes for it on the friday yeah it, it's a bit more subdued on the saturday Right, but then on the Sunday, everyone's on it again. Yeah. So it's, it's like, there is nothing like a tidy weekend, really. There's a few famous moments, isn't there, like in a, in a tidy weekend. So everyone everyone knows the Friday night, everyone's yeah. going for it. It's yeah. a heavy sesh. And then the Sunday, it's, all, it's always very well known for like, what's the last tune that gets played at the weekend there and and like so a lot of the bigger names going on the sunday as well well the, the best thing about the, the weekend is now is because obviously the old weekends is it's one of the things that everybody moan, moaned about at some of the previous weekenders or why paul glasby kick it wasn't the last track and it's just like for god's sake get over it that track's 15 years old i understand yeah. it's got memories to people right but there's so many other tracks that you could play as the last track at work, and it's like this create this new time. memories as well. Like, don't become a, a, a nostalgia act. You want, if, yeah. you want to, if you want to stay current and fresh, what, what about people could refer to you as I, I don't know, say the latest, what's the latest um tidy release? I, I don't know, I don't know what the latest tidy release is, but um, it's like the DJs that we had on for the this the last one this time, we had um. Ben Stevens playing in the second arena. Yeah. And then, obviously, that finished half an hour early, so everyone piles into the main arena, and, right. and Rob Tissera was playing the last set. And if... To be honest, we could, I, I think Andy Farley was on holiday, so that's why he wasn't on this year. Yeah. Right, but... um, But when we've had him or Rob Tissera on it, finished last at a weekend, it's been amazing. Right, so it's like... They're, they're the perfect sort of DJs to put on last, so Rob Tissera playing last this year was really good. Yeah. But that, that's what I mean, though. Like, like, who's to say that, that Rob... Because Rob's got a really good ear for tunes as well. Robbie's the second coming of Jesus, as far as I'm <laughs> concerned. Robbie's my absolute idol. But, like, mm-hmm. he's got this thing, this this way with p- picking tunes that I think's really good. Not many people have got it. There's only a handful of people who can read a, cl- a crowd like like he does it. And I've, I've found that, like, he someone like him could play a last tune and it could be the right last tune. Yeah, it doesn't need to be kick it. It could be something yeah, else. It could right. Rob, this is the thing that I've, I've always said about Rob because this, I think this has come down to why you know, when people moan about DJs who've been getting booked for years still headlining events. Yeah, I think right people like Rob. Rob has been going right since day one of the rave scene, and yeah. I, I, I don't know if everyone knows the story about a lot of people in the bouncing probably won't have heard the story. But Rob was actually DJing at an event. <laughs> My brother was that in 1990. Yeah. And um, they, 
what happened was this was in the days of illegal raves obviously i think it was called love decade it was i know the story yeah. yeah and um, basically the police turned up to raid it and rob got on the mic and told everybody to barricade the doors <laughs> right so um what happened was that was classed as inciting a riot and he was sent to um, the prison for three months for yeah it. i knew i knew that like it was a uh... It's intense, isn't it? Yeah. So, and this is the thing, it's like he's been, when he's been around since those days, he's been constantly working through those days. I used to listen to him religiously when I was a little kid. Mm -hmm. Right. And it, it's like he's played everything. He's played house, he's played breaks, he's played trance, he's played hard house. And what he, tend, what he does is he brings all those influences together and everything he plays. Right. So he's someone who's cut his teeth on just playing good music, which is why a lot of, I think a lot of new DJs struggle to get recognised because they've been in the mindset of just playing one genre and playing for an hour at a time. Yeah, and pigeonholed themselves into a... Yeah, and it's kind of not their fault, really. It's just like, it's just that that tends to be the way things have gone. Because It's generational, though, because yeah. when Rob first came along, um, it was, everything was brand new and nothing yeah. was... This is jungle. This is house. This is and 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 then and then the next generation was right was subgenre. This is trance. This is this and then the next next generation is this is then yeah. uh, this is hard trance. This is this is a uh, melodic trance. This is this is progressive. This is this is, mel this is melodic techno. This is yeah, like yeah, yeah. tech house. So now like... you have events that's dedicated to that one sub subgenre, sub yeah. and it's that's where you 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 find people uh, are pigeonholed and you like. Yeah, they could, they could headline that one event, but outside of that, yeah. what could, what are they good for? You know? And this, it, then this is the thing. It's like that's how I started DJing, really, because when I started DJing, I, I've been DJing 20, 21 years this year, from twenty sixth of August. <laughs> that I've been DJing in clubs twenty one years. I remember my first of a gig, like like it's yesterday. We won't but, get into that in a minute. We'll just but, um, sort of rhyming off the minute. But yeah, um, that's that thing is that like, I've. Grown up with that whole thing of like having to play a full night to myself yeah. and being able to play through genres and that's the way I've learned to do it and I, and like I said, Bob Tito is my my freaking yeah. hero man. So it's like I I've learned a lot from that guy over the years. Right. So yeah, uh, we've talked about that. Um, I want to get into the beginning with of Dave Gray. I uh, over the over the years of listening to your your mixes and stuff like that. I obviously know you've got a wide taste in music, and you, you you've got your sort of your ears for everything. I think you yeah. you're you're what like you described as Rob. You seem to just be like a, a picker of good music. Over I'm a very oh, good hard house DJ. I'm a very <laughs> good bounce DJ. Yeah, like. In in a nice way, you're a jack of all trades. Yeah. Um, when it comes to it, because you could pull out a good like I, I listen to them the void mixes you used to do. Yeah. And it would be like you'd pick a, a like oh, that nice right band. house tunes and then or or if you play a hard house you play you play just it's just the way it is, man. Like some people have got it, some people haven't. Like you you could play a set of hard house tunes better than somebody who's solely just a hard house DJ. Like, um. Yeah, like, take that take that as you would. But. Yeah, I do I do actually see what you mean there because it's like a lot of people who, who are just hard house DJs will just play that one particular sound. Because yeah. hard the difference is that hard house is quite a broad, it's quite a broad genre. It's like I've always said, like especially in the last ten years. Well, maybe not so much for the last last two or three years, but especially like sort of like two thousand and eight to 
2015, 16-ish. It, it was almost a genre that reminded me of, it was like what clubs used to be like 20 years ago, but 10 BPM faster, <laughs> right? Because yeah. it's like you used to go to a club, say 2000, right? You'd get, you'd, you'd go all night, you'd get house. You'd, it's one room, you'd get house. You get a bit of trance, you get a bit of bouncy stuff, you get a bit harder stuff. And it progressively moves uh, on yeah, through the night. Yeah, it could be just progressively built up through the night. And hard house, at one point, it was a really sort of broad genre where you had the funky hard house stuff. Like, sort of stuff Dave does, Dave, mm. Dave Jackson, Digital Mafia, right? Because he was doing a lot of, like, baseline influence stuff. Yeah. And then you'd have, like, the hard trance, you'd have the really banging, dirty hard house, it's all, like, BK badass and stuff like that. And, but all that that kind of sound, the old yeah. hard beat sound, and it's just, like, that... It was almost like you could play a full night of hard house and you wouldn't have noticed that it was all hard house if you'd have just gone as a clubber. Yeah. If you get me, you'd have noticed it was a bit faster than normal, but it, you wouldn't have been as you oh, this is all hard house then. <laughs> I want to say something about... We're on the lines of that. I, I always thought there'd be, maybe it's still yet to come mind, but with with um, with Digital Mafia's mm. sound, um, I always found that that's something that could accidentally go big because it's very yeah. appealing to, say, like a Radio 1 or... I was, I, was, I was thought it was just that one thing away from... It was almost ahead of his time, really, I think, yeah. because I don't know if you've noticed, a lot of, like, tech house producers... Like, if, if you look at some of the stuff that's coming out on Trick, for example, like Patrick Topping. Very, level, very similar, like, yeah. One, one, well, I, well, was one of you and McVicker's tracks I was playing in my sets, like, about a year or so ago. But it's actually made 140 BPM and literally sounds like an old club edge track. Right. Right, but it's marked as tech house. So it's like, and Dave was doing stuff like that, like, five, six, seven years ago. Yep. But it was at that speed, right? But obviously because it's marked hard house and... A, a lot of people who were looking for that stuff on download stores, especially back then, are looking for the banging stuff because the truth is it's only DJs who buy music mm-hmm. and most of the DJs who buy music are bedroom DJs because everyone else gets promos. <laughs> yeah. so, it's like, so it's like the pe- the bedroom DJs are looking for the full-on peak time stuff all the time. Yeah. And and at that time, it's like streaming hadn't really took off with like underground genres. So I found in about 2015-ish, I, the, I found that my label was always very reliant on DJ sales, whereas yeah. on the flip side, from about 2019 till now, yeah. streaming is is the, the... You have to push the streaming side now as well, like because at the end of the day, that's where your money is. Yeah. Right? No one's... No, no not average person like clubber is buying music unless they're buying an album. Yeah. Right, in which case they're probably just buying a USB from somewhere. Right, and the rest of us are just streaming it. So it's like that's where the money is. Mm-hmm. The base had to, mon- to monetize the listeners because people aren't buying music anymore, yeah. which is the best way of doing it. But because of the way streaming works, is a lot of it's not sort of genre-led. It's not really label-led either. It's just led by artists and what people like. Yeah. Right, so it's like what you're finding now, especially in the last couple of years, is a lot of clubbers don't care about the genre anymore. I don't know if you've noticed all these techno DJs on Instagram literally playing things. There was one that BK sent me a video of, and it was, and it was a techno DJ playing a donk track at Boiler Room. And it looked, I'm sure it sounded like one of Kenny's productions, actually. It's like... It's, it's like, <laughs> and, and that's that's good and 
that's how he's like BK has got big in the techno scene because people were playing his older tracks. Yeah, I, I was watching videos like techno. It was on the techno Germany Instagram, and they're playing one of Dina Watson's tracks. And it's even they even had the track. I thought, where have I heard that track ID before? And then like, I looked at the track ID. It said Dina Watson naughty, but nice was just like. Wow. I might have seen that video, you know. Yeah, the, one, the one where the woman comes running out of five guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like, and, and it's just fun seeing videos like that because it, cause it shows people as well that, especially in a soul genre like Hard House, where... There's a scene outside of that circle. That's what yeah, it is. And, I, and I've always said this, like the Hard House scene biggest problem is kind of that it's become boxed in itself. But yeah. A lot of the people who like Hard House don't really listen to anything else. And a lot of them haven't really paid attention to what's going out on in, outside the scene. So mm-hmm. that's why you're getting a lot of people making Hard House tracks that sound like they were made 20 years ago. Yeah. Because that's the sound they know. And they haven't seen how music has evolved outside of it. So sure. Hard House almost sounds like something that's irrelevant to everything else where it's like now because you've now got a new generation of clubbers who aren't really getting involved in particular genres right what you find oh, i like that tune i like that yeah tune. they're just picking they're just picking tracks think and finding tracks like for example dina's track or some of bk's old tracks and i'm, I'm sure i've seen a couple of the new vicious circle ones getting played by techno djs it's just djs thinking oh, i like that i'll play it yeah and what's happening is, is it's showing the rest of the hard house scene, look, there is a world outside of the hard house scene where your music is being appreciated. Yeah. And I think that's probably encouraging a lot of people to keep going with it, to be fair. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, before we get into your story, I want to ask you, what's your opinion on the current state of hard house? I'm not, I'm not, state makes it sound bad, but do you, <laughs> do you think that, do you think that um, there's a resurgence or do you think there's, do you think there's going to be another uh, wave of it being in the mainstream or, or? I don't think, I don't think Hard House or any other, any other underground genre outside of the sort of what you call mainstream house music yeah. now is probably going to have a commercial resurgence, right? But Hard House, it's, it's a bit of a weird one because um, I'm just trying to think, it's, it's getting a new new audience. Yeah. It's clearly getting a new audience because that's why a lot of the techno DJs and things are playing it. Yeah. And and also, like I say, the weekend had a load of new people who've never been to them before, who've only been into Hard House like the last few years or have come back to it after so many years. Right, so there is potential for it to be successful again. It's just that I think any sort of underground genre now, it's never going to be a full-time career for anybody anymore yeah. right it's it's gonna be popular but it's but i think just i think people just need to appreciate the fact that like as long as the events are good as long as you've got a decent enough crowd attending yeah. then that's all all that matters these days because there's so much so much stuff going on in music and also with hard house we haven't got the benefit of what say something like bounce or baseline has yeah right because what you find about the bouncing is it's a popular scene concentrated in one area of the country, right? It's like it's obviously most of the northwest, and then you've got like baseline, which is mostly sort of like London or Birmingham. Yeah, right. Hard house is 
it's little pockets dotted about all everywhere. over the country. Like there's yeah. there's the Leeds bit, there's the Birmingham bit, there's the London bit, there's the Workington bit, there's the, work, the Workington yeah, bit. Yeah, the Workington. There's a scene in Workington where it's just these handful of yeah. DJs and it's just Ireland as well. It's like yeah. it's, it's, it's got a little pocket following in Ireland, but this is thing because all these pe people are so far away from it. Australia, yeah. Australia as well. All these people are so far away from each other. We're never going to be able to attend all the events like the bouncing camp where it's like you've fair enough. I appreciate there's not always there's certain events that still don't do as well as others in the bouncing yeah. or in the baseline scene, but. There's enough of an audience in one place for them to be able to put nights like Sopranos on, yeah. um, Restricted Forest, BTID, all those sort of events, and it's all concentrated in one place. So it's yeah. like you've got a, a centre point for everyone, if you get me. Absolutely, yeah. Like, I talked about this on Ben Rushin's uh, episode. It's, it's I find it hard to get into that scene because it's... Or, or I did find it hard to get in that scene because, as you say, it's like boxed off, like a bit yeah. like the hard house scene. It's because I'm not in that area. I'm not everyone's first choice for getting booked as a DJ, yeah. which can be a little bit frustrating. But everything is, I think, in the bounce scene as well. It's like people tend to book the people who know each other. It's like the only bounce events that really book me are BTID mm -hmm. and when News when Peer on the Piers on, and like then I played for someone at Donny Warehouse. It's like those are the only sort of like proper bounce events that really book me, and yeah. I'm quite happy with that because it's like I, I like I say, I, I play everything, and like, yeah. I think that's one thing a lot of DJs have got to realize as well. If you want to actually do this for a job, you need to be have a broad range of music, yes, because it's like I, I think Rob Kane does it full time now, doesn't he? Yeah, and he has been doing for a few years, but he, he's pretty much playing out every night and he's playing house music, he's yeah. playing something that's that's popular enough to get, get him regular work. And he still does the odd event like BTID where he comes and plays his classics and things. Right, so the only other DJs I know other than that who work full-time are the ones who play a bit of everything and then do a, a little bits of maybe producing or engineering for people on the side. Yeah, that's that's just so, the way it is. It's just, a, just the scene now, there's, it's not, there isn't big sales and big streaming. There's money to be made because I've noticed, I, <laughs> like... There is money to be made. Like, I, I, I'm sure we've talked about this online, but like on or a conversation we've had. At there's some there's point. money to be made, but the daft thing is, it's like even where music makes a lot of money, it's like uh, I've seen people like have just literally done something like they've done like ambient sounds to put on to put on Spotify and yeah. and made. You know, like sleep noises, like yeah, a washing machine yeah. or rain or something. Yeah, like, like that, they've yeah. done like really like. Uh, things like that and they've made an absolute fortune off that more than they have off music yeah it's just i think this is the thing that people have to accept if you're going to do music and, and it's something you really want to do you have to think outside the box you have to be able to play a decent range of music you've got to be able to like and especially if you with djing because obviously i was djing pretty much full time for mm. a few years until covid happened and even then, it's like I wasn't making as much money as what I am now from doing less gigs and running the label. Yeah. Right, so. Um, I'm sure we talked back in 2000, well, 2021 we talked about it, but I'm, I, I was saying about um, how much money we made in that, that second quarter of um, 
2020. Can you remember that? Like Can, when COVID. Yeah, hit? yeah. When, when COVID happened. I like <laughs> this, and I don't mind talking figures or anything like that. Um, and it goes out publicly because I don't care. To be honest yeah. with you, it's, it's just a thing. But for me, I remember getting the royalty things back for the label, and it was it was five times what we were making. Yeah. The, Far, like I, I do remember when when COVID happened, and, and this is one of the things I did warn people to pay attention to as well. Um, the ones who weren't making a lot of money who thought they, they were never going to make any money, mm. I told them, like, put your back into it now while you can. Mm. And also, I said to the ones who, who did suddenly start making money, just remember that this, a lot of that was down to the fact that people couldn't go anywhere. Yeah. Right, so... and. Also, I don't think people really thought about this, even though people got furloughed and were probably getting paid less than what they would not be normally. Mm. They weren't paying to go to work. They weren't, they weren't able to pay to go to events or anything. So they were just, if, if anything, we were just having naughty house parties. Lod, um, loads of people were decorating the houses and shit because they had all <laughs> yeah. this disposable income. Yeah, loads of people did the houses and everything. But yeah. also it's like, what, right, we saw people suddenly go out and buy a controller because like the ones who who were doing live streams or anything like that, who were just getting gigs. A lot yeah. of them started live streaming, so that's why you suddenly had a shortage of controllers. Yeah. <laughs> I think at one point it was like six months waiting list to get a... Get well, there's loads now, isn't there? Loads for sale on Facebook Marketplace because they've had the, the fun during the lockdown. Yeah, 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 but yeah. that was the thing. It's like loads of people started doing that and then they also started having to buy music. So at one point, I remember the sales for Cheek Tracks were, were, were double what they normally were and while sales our download sales were good anyway mm. but then also excuse me we had um loads more streaming and i'd this is the, the two years before that i'd really been plugging that yeah right so and making sure everything got monetized so i i was looking the case i'd built it up enough to a point that when um streaming went through the roof during covid it got to a point where I could earn enough money off it and to live off mm. because I thought, crap, I'm going to have to go and get an old job again for the <laughs> first time in years. Yeah. And the daft thing is, is like the only job I've ever successfully held down for since my whole adult life is this. <laughs> okay, so, um, you made for it then. Yeah, so, so it was like, I just thought, look, I need to find a way to keep this going. But one thing I, I did do was me and Amber D got together literally the weekend of things got locked down and we were just like, no, it was no point stressing of this, like everyone else was like, where's the next gig coming from? What we're going to do? It's mm. like, and we just thought, look, there was actually loads of help available at the time for a start, right? Yeah. But people didn't realise, not from the government, from like music charities and things. And they were just throwing money at people. So we'd, we just applied for all that. And then we'd spent the next three months like, right, this is what we need to do to keep this, keep this going yeah. and build it up. And then, but with the label in particular, it's that I'd already built up enough to a point where once it did, we got into the COVID situation. It started generating a lot, and all I had to do was find a way to make sure once everything opened up again, you know, I was going to maintain it. And yeah. somehow, I just about I've just about managed it so far. We'll see how we go with the cost of living crisis. <laughs> like, but I, but I, I think I'm all right for the time being. I'm just going to have to keep finding new ways to keep it going. Really, right? We sort of went off on a bit of a tangent there. Fucking. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> No, it's all right. Uh, we want to get into to the Dave the Dave Gray story. Uh, interesting, interesting what we're talking about, by the way. Um, but obviously, um, we'll get in, we'll get into this. Um, I always find it fascinating when when people talk about how they grow from 
situations where you have to really think on your feet. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, just like cause that, that, that you call it a time <coughs> crisis, isn't it? Like, yeah. it's like, how can we, you're obviously sitting there brainstorming ideas yeah. and it's like, how can we do this? Anyway, so where did it all start for Dave? Right, okay, so 26th of August 2001 was my first club gig. And no, then, I don't but, know that, I want to know before that. Oh, before that, it's, yeah. not really, it's not really anything exciting really. It's just like, I, I just got, I'd always been into music from, this is probably most interesting to me, I'd, I'd been into music from a really, really young age, like especially dance music, because my brother was going to illegal raves when he's 10 years older than me. Yeah. He was going to illegal raves when he was like 15, I was like five. Yeah. And for some reason, I just really got into acid house and stuff like that when I was That's five. That's fine. No, no, you just, because <laughs> at the time, it's cool to be, to, to be getting into it because all oh, my brother mm. listens to this so it must be cool music like, that's that's where you look at it, isn't it as a young but, kid but I don't, I don't know I just, I just I just liked it, it, yeah. it, it and it's like my favourite tune when I was like six years old was a guy called Gerald Voodoo Ray which is just like a really weird tech house tune really <laughs> not tech house acid house tune yeah. and you listen to it now and it's like and I do wonder to myself why did I like this when I was six because I like yeah, it now yeah, but, yeah, but as Why? A yeah, it's like we call demob. We call it acid. We agree. Acid in the background. It's like it's like I really that was a bit of a novelty record. Anyway, but I yeah. really like stuff like that. And as I grew up, I just, I was really into dance music. So um, so when getting into dance music, can you remember your first like CD single you bought or tape or, or anything like that? My first record that I got was actually my mum bought me. It was Black Box Ride on Time. Costume. Right, so that was the f but but oh well, she actually bought me like a couple like when I was really young. I think mm -hmm. the first two that she actually bought me, which were just like kiddie records, were um, Paul McCartney, the Frog Song from, <laughs> from Rupert, and also um, Roland Rat Rat rapping. <laughs> Roland Rat, I had the Roland Rat album because I was a really big Roland Rat fan. But the yeah. first like proper like record I got was was Black Box Ride on Time, and then the first one I bought after that was. Oh, God, I can't remember who it was now. I'm sorry it was like Wigfield Saturday night or something daft like that, I think. So at what point, <laughs> what point was it a turning point for you? For like, so when was it like, right, I like music, I want to be a DJ? Like, I couldn't really say, I just, I just sort of fell into it. I was going to the local youth club yeah. when I was like 14, 15. And they obviously had a set of decks there and we just sort of got on it and messed about and started doing the little disco. But it's like, I used to... After that, I just started ticking my tunes with me. And I've always had this thing, like, even since then, like, I'm going to make you dance to music that you don't think you like. Mm. Right, so take a lot of, like, clubby records out of it, but a load of little kids at the youth club would have been like, what's this? Yeah. Like, I wasn't bothered, I just did it anyway. <laughs> and um, and then it was, it was just like, after that point, I started doing just the odd, like, house party for my mates and things, and I got... I got one of those, re do you remember those really crappy um, home mix, um, yeah. Acoustic Solutions home mix things? I had one of them. I, I had, had, I had one of them. Did you learn to mix on it? Um, no, I said belt drives first. I had um, I had Newmark belt drives that were absolutely fucking oh, terrible. Yeah, yeah, the ones that, the ones that <laughs> actually feel like toys. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, then, <laughs> and then after that, I got the, the home mix one and I thought... <sighs> Did Look you get the home mix CD unit though? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the home, well, the thing with that was it was it was it was just clearly made as as a kids thing, really. Yeah, because you couldn't when you press play, there was a delay on the play. It wasn't like there was a delay. You couldn't queue it up. Yeah. Um, and also the way the pitch control worked, I remember it, it just jumped weird. one, two, three, four. Yeah. You couldn't go like any in between. So what? 
but I learned to mix on that. Right, it's yeah. like what I used to do is I just used to right, there was no gains on it either, so you had to like mess about with volume, and then it's like you just had to wiggle the pitch control to keep it in time. Well, uh, when I got that, I pro in my head I thought we've leveled right up here because yeah. I've gone because I had like, for instance, I had um because when I was listening to CD packs and stuff, obviously I'm a bit younger than you. I was listening to the CD packs. I was listening to say like the latest Bad Behaviour mix or something like that at the time. Um, and or, or Alex K, but I only had like Alex K records. I had some clubhead stuff. I had loads of trance. Yeah. But I couldn't get the latest bad behavior tune or out like that. Like obviously being your <coughs> stuff. So when I got that, I thought I proper changed for me because I was like, well, I can just download the the thing and then I'll put the other thing. I'm like, hey, we I'm all a real we DJ all did now. we all did it <laughs> we all did did but that also time was when I did that was a stall on G's Market that used to sell like. CD singles and, yeah. the guy, and the guy who ran the store was obviously like some, a DJ was on a promo list because he used to sell loads of promo CDs yeah. for like two quid and but some of them like he obviously didn't know what, what it was mainly all the dance stuff that he wasn't going to play yeah. right so I got loads of tunes long before they came out on CD single for like two quid yeah. and not only that because it was a CD single it was a promo so it wasn't counted with any music sales it yeah. had like every single remix on it so you got like eight eight remixes instead of like two radio edits and, a, and an extended exactly, mix exactly yeah, yeah. right so i was buying lo loads of that and it's just like i was and i just used to buy stuff based on like if it was on a certain label or whatever before i'd even heard it and i'd end up with this collection of really good stuff i just thought no one's hearing these tunes i need to, people to hear them and i just as soon as i turned 18 i just started posting like mixtapes out to pubs and clubs in Dewsbury because back then you had this one thing that you don't have now that you have had then was every town centre had a nightclub or, yeah. or, or oh, maybe yeah, even yeah, two yeah. um so so what year is this like when when we 18 I turned 18 in 2001 really? that's a like six months it's like obviously six seven months later but um, what were you playing at this point? I know you've, you've, you've always played a, a, a wide range of stuff, I, but I what were just, you focusing on? I wasn't really focusing on anything particular. I was just playing stuff I liked. But I knew, I knew at the time, right, obviously, a lot of the stuff that was big in like in the town centre stuff was all old school or baseline. Right. Or, or, well, speed garages, they called it originally. And then it was just a case of... I'd, when I actually started getting gigs, I'd start playing what was big, suited, yeah, what yeah, yeah. suited the place. Um, my first gig was at a place called TP Woods in Dewsbury on my, and like I said, 26th of August, 2001. It was a DJ competition and that's where I won a residency. And do you know why I won the residency? No one else turned up. <laughs> So you're actually the best and the worst. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. It's like when I actually got the job, it's like it, it, it wasn't disheartening as such. It was just like, okay, well, we'll just roll it then. And it's like, yeah. and looking back, I suppose at the time, it's like, they wouldn't have given me the job if the thought wasn't, if I'd have turned up and just been completely shit. Yeah. Right, then I, I wouldn't have got the job because why would the employee shit DJ? Just so how long were you off. playing for in this comp? Like, I know because you're the only one there. Did you end up playing all night or something? I, I, well, I was meant to be playing like the first two hours and I ended up playing like the whole night because no one else came. Right. Oh, it is what it is, So, but because of that, it's like I got to like just go through the whole CD collection and see and see what worked. Mm. And was there like, many in? But there wasn't many in at the start, but it was a Sunday night. So it's like on, on sun, 
his bank holiday as well, so he did get quite busy later on. It what was, was the club? It was called TP Woods, and it was mainly sort of the Dewsbury for a lot of people was where he went before he went to Batley, uh, Bradford Road, which is mm-hmm. where the frontier was, right. which was a legendary venue <laughs> in in uh, Batley. It's basically the Phoenix Knights place type place. Oh, every, well. Everybody went because it had been there God knows how many years. And it was one of those where they'd start off like playing like shitty pop records. Then we'd have then we'd have a turn on. Then we'd have, we'd have some like tri- tribute act to oh, like wow. Shirley Bassey or whoever. And then we had this weird light show where we used to play the Star Wars theme tune, <laughs> right? And 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 but then everybody who was pissed would just start running around the dance hall pretending to be spaceships. <laughs> and then and then they'd actually start banging out some decent tunes for a bit. And then the last half hour, it'd be like. We'd start playing things like DJ Otzi, Hey Baby, and then oh. and then have a bit of an erection section at the end yeah. for everybody to get off of a tent tour. Yeah, I know what <laughs> you mean, yeah. Yeah, that's something a decent night out, to be fair. right? Oh, God, it was the worst place ever. But it was, it, it's just one of them where you, you found yourself going because a lot of your friends went, and it's like, I, I remember the last time I went there, I was just like, it was my birthday, my 26th birthday. The first time I'd been was my 16th birthday. I just thought, please don't let me end up in here on my birthday again. And I ended up getting taken there. I ended up getting really drunk. But we were just playing all the same party tunes that we played did, 10 years ago. When you were before. 60, yeah, 16. Yeah, but, right, and, then, and then sort of 10 to 2, I found myself like pissed up on the dance floor singing along to Don't Stop Believing. And, like, <laughs> and then I came out and just thought, I've had a shit night out, mate. <laughs> right, so you've done your first gig. You've, you've, you've experienced nightlife in some random places. Uh, at what point did you get into the, the club scene? I know you're playing in clubs, but when were you into like, uh, what were you into first? Were you into bounce? Were you into hard house? What, what, what was I, was the... in, I was into, I, when I say I was into everything, I was literally into everything. But the, the first sort of like proper clubbing yeah. was actually when, when I was like 16. I went to the Leeds Love Parade, which if, I don't know if you've ever heard about the Leeds Love Parade. No, nah, go on. Right, basically, right, it was the big, I think it was the biggest rave the country's ever seen. Radio mm. 1 put it on. Because right. obviously, if you've ever heard of the Love Parade in Germany, which I don't do anymore because I think it was some like, big accident happened in the last mm. one. Mm. Right, but that was like a legendary sort of free party in Germany. Was it, was it, was it, um, yeah, it was. Um, and then what happened was, Radio One decided to do the road in Leeds. And I, I remember when I went, because my mum knew I wanted to go, but at the time she's like, you're not old enough to go clubbing and all this. Yeah. Like, right, so I, I to- had that experience as I well. I told her um, I was going shopping. I went in the scruffiest clothes I had. Right, I had these, these proper shitty combats on and this Hong Kong fooey long sleeve T-shirt. <laughs> and um, and I went, I went there, and it, honestly, it was like there was just like this massive stage at the front. There was I think there was two hundred thousand people there. Wow! And they had all these floats going around, like the original of Parade, where they'd have like different music on each one and different brands. Yeah. And it honestly, there is there's barely any videos of it on YouTube as well, which is really kind of upsetting because obviously everyone goes, "Oh well, best thing about the night is there's, there's no evidence of like it's like no." I wish there was evidence of that one because it was inc- people wouldn't believe it if you told about it now. Yeah. But it's like if you had all these different, we had one playing trance, you had one playing hard house, you had a Dave Pierce dance anthem truck because obviously it was Radio One. Yeah. And I just remember it, I, I got completely smashed there. And when I came, when I came home, it's like my mum was still up, and it's like I was 
I walked in, I had a rave whistle around my neck and everything, so it was quite obvious I'd been. And she's going, so you've been to Love Parade then? I was like, no. Mm. And then she goes, it's all right, I've seen you on the news. <laughs> and, like, right, and, right, and then she put a recording of um, Calendar News, because uh, yeah. it, was, it was covered by every like news channel in the country at the time, yeah. especially obviously the local ones. And there was a video of... Um, they just filmed the trucks going past and they just saw like the Dave Pierce Dan Sampson truck going past me going like, it's, Class. Just, Class. it's like okay and uh, so and then it's Have like you still got the tip? no I wish I had yeah, I wish yeah. I had because that was incredible it's like great the, memory to have isn't it yeah and this is it's like because it was it was a free party like we didn't we weren't even bothered about how old people were there were people there with like little kids dressed, dressed they'd got the, they took the kids and, yeah. put, and got the kids dressed in like rave outfits and stuff, it was crazy. It's just like, uh, but there's honestly no, no, there's barely any evidence of it on the internet. Quality, and, quality. But then after that, I went to Gatecrasher and a couple of other places in Sheffield. Yeah. Because when I was underage, I kind of went through the point of, I'm not going to go to the shitty clubs in town if I'm if I'm going to risk getting turned away. I'm going to get risk getting turned away for somewhere decent. Ones. Right, okay. And yeah. then once I got into actually DJing, I was just, I was mainly, I was mainly playing sort of, what what used to be called bounce, but it was just hard house, like yeah. trance, speed garage, and a bit of house music. Yeah, so it's, it's, I was just playing whatever I thought worked at the time, and then eventually my first proper like underground gig, shall I say, was an event called Shock in Wakefield, which had a bounce room. Right. Um. So I, I ended up becoming a resident for them, and because we realised I could also play like hard house, well, they put me on in the main room a few times. Right. And to be fair, it was, main, it was pretty dead, the event, but that was how I got into doing those sort of events. And from there, I just worked my way up. Right. So, so uh, at what point did you think that it sort of started working for you? Like, when did you start? I, I've talked about this before, but there's, there's the level and processes. Now, you level up without, and you, something tells you, like, oh, things are, the, the, the wheels are moving now, the wheels are in motion. Um. I, I can't really put my finger on it, anything in particular. I just started getting more well-known online. <laughs> oh, anything. Oops, what are you doing? Breaking everything. <laughs> right, I just started getting more well-known online. And then it's like I started playing things like, because obviously I ran Mersey style for a while, yeah. years ago. And we started doing the sort of two bouncy versus Mersey style thing where I start end up going playing down Foo Bar in Southport, which is <laughs> an absolute dump. I'm sure John Neal will tell you all about that one. Yeah. And... Then I, I just went through a phase when I was sort of 2010 where I was thinking I was, I was, I was getting a bit old for it. Mm. And also I'd not really planned on doing this for a long time. Yeah. And I was just starting to be in a bit of a hard place where I was thinking, do I want to keep going with this? And then I just got booked for um, to play in the Cheeky Tracks room at Rave On. Yeah. Which is the guys who used to run Cheeky Tracks before me, uh, Ian and Andy were Cheeky Boys. Yeah. It's like they asked me to play for them. And then they ended up making me one of their sort of residents for that room. Right. And then we were focusing on the label. They asked me to go do some tracks. And at the time, they were sort of, they were kind of, we were getting a load of new artists on, but they weren't really getting anybody who, apart from sort of Josh Butler, yeah. Um, when he was doing his Mr. Mr. Bounce stuff. and Very good stuff, by the yeah, way. Yeah, it was, it, his stuff was really good. Yeah. And and then you had Ordox, who was just sort of, it, it wasn't quite 100%, but he was getting good enough to release stuff at the time. Yeah. Because was, uh, this was at the point when there was a lot of bad music being released. So yeah. 
somebody who's just half decent could so was it 2010 you got involved with Cheeky is that, is that when it was yeah it was um, September 2010 that's when I started playing for them and what I discovered was that at the time because even though I'd been in the hard house scene before that mm. I drifted away for it to focus on Bounce for a bit and then when and I think this is at the time when Bounce had pretty much had just flatlined yeah. like 2010 and I just thought, I'm not really getting anywhere doing doing this anymore. And I was, but I still liked the music. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not really... And I started getting back in Hard House as well. I was just kind of like trying to think what I wanted to do. Yeah. And then when I got booked to play at Rave On, I realised all the people who, had, who I'd grown up with and seen were still there. Like Joe Longbottom was starting to get known as a DJ. Yeah. And he, me and him pretty much started at the same time. Me, me and Dave Jackson... And Joel on bottom, we pretty much started at the same time. Yeah. Like, and we, but also, it's like we'd been on all the same lineups up until about two thousand and seven. Yeah. And then I drifted away, and went went back, and they were still there, for, for, for DJing under different names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was, it's just like that. That point, I just thought, yeah, this is where I want to be. I'm back with my people. That's what we want more than anything. I just felt like I was back with my friends, and because yeah. it was all, it was like. Nothing had changed. We were just all like, I know. Yeah. So, whereas in the bound scene, it's like it always felt like I'd struggled to get taken seriously. Do you feel a bit like an outsider sort of thing as well? In in the bound scene, yeah, but mainly because of where I lived. And the daft thing is, once I started getting booked for hard house events again and decided I was going to focus on that group of people, the bound scene started like, I, I played at the pier. <laughs> in the last like year it was open and because martin booked me for it and it was and some of the bounce nights started like paying attention to me again so it i, I do feel like a bit of an outsider but i never felt i've never felt like i'm not involved in it at all or i'm being shut out i've just yeah. felt like i've kind of made myself an outsider and i'm also an outsider because of where i live yeah so that was the only thing with that really but from there that's where my career sort of like took off because then i had to kind of push myself to be taken seriously the hard house scene right before we get on to that i want to ask you where did the general bounce name came from <laughs> um every time it's like when i started djing um obviously my name's david gray yeah um the singer uh, yeah. david gray had just took off and it was just like Slightly more talented than you. <laughs> <laughs> and also the fact that it's just like, it, it's a completely different thing. I couldn't have that name on a flyer because I don't want old grannies coming to a gig thinking some guy who does that with his head, like yeah, yeah. when he's singing, is going to be playing instead. Right, so I was trying to think of a DJ name and my friend Steve, he said to me, he said, well, what sort of stuff do you play? And I said, well, sort of general bouncy shit. Uh, and, and, and he said, bounce, general yeah. bounce. So I was just like, Okay. And at the time, that was, was kind of a bit of an in thing for have people to have silly DJ names. Like, Joe Longbottom was Have a Go Joe. Yeah. Um, Digital Mafia was Domestic Dave. Yeah. <laughs> so, it makes sense. Yeah. Right, so, so it kind of fitted in at the time. And then it just stuck. And now I can't get away from it, so... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's a weird one, isn't it? It's it's yeah. not a, the worst name to have. It's like, like yeah. especially at the time, like a lot of people said that's actually quite a clever name because it sounds like you could have just been someone in the army, but also you're just someone who plays general bouncy music. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you're not like DJ tampon or anything like that. Like oh, I've literally, 
I've heard some bad DJ names, so but you, that it, it, have you seen the bang face line? Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic, isn't it? The bang, right, I, I love right, perished gussets. That's <laughs> one of my favourite DJ names, and I've actually DJed with some of the um, with some of the bang face like yeah. event, events in Bradford and stuff, like DJ Budgie Smuggler, um, <laughs> Earthworm Jim, SpongeBob SquareWave. One, one of my favourite ones was uh, DJ Fred West, and it was. <laughs> And, and oh. South Yorkshire Mick Hucknall, that was a good one. <laughs> well, Ben, ben Suff Donk, he's one of those guys. Yeah, so. he is. Oh, yeah, yeah, Ben Suff yeah. Donk. Mm-hmm. Um, right, so let's let's get into the cheeky tracks thing. What, okay. how, how, what happened? Like, because obviously there was the two cheek, cheeky boys. Like, did they just say, fuck it, I'm but, out, or? The weird thing is, like, this, this is what I'm saying. It's like, it's really hard to explain how I've got, how things have happened for me in the scene because they've just it's almost like they've just happened and then like they're kind of meant to be but it's like at the time to be fair when, when i got uh, asked to get involved with the label by those guys i'd yeah. also been so thinking, was that as an artist or what it was, was as the, an artist was, right and it's just like at the time to be honest i'd actually been thinking to myself I'd, I'd, I'd love to start a label because i knew loads of really good producers like i knew phil Groove Control. I knew um, at the time Sonic Bounce, days yeah. later, he was doing loads of good stuff. And there's a few other people as well, um, like Craig Bass Force, he'd been making loads of decent amount. I'd pretty much showed him how to how, how to produce to an extent. Yeah. Because I, I can't, I, I, I'm not a technical producer or anything like that. I can't engineer my own stuff, but I can show people how to structure a track. Yeah. And it's like, and at the time I was thinking to myself, I'd look, I'd, I'd, these people need a bigger audience. And I used to play all their stuff. Right, so when the Cheeky Boys were kind of looking for decent new artists, I, like, anyone I found who I thought was good enough, who was actually a lot better than a lot of the guys I had at the time, Yeah. where I was like, you know what, listen to these guys. And over time, it, I just ended up like finding a lot of the decent new music for them. Yeah. And uh, like the first sort of really big hits the label had were people I'd, I'd just found online. And then over time, they, because they, they they were sort of drifting in and out of the scene anyway because they were both really busy with work and then they took up fishing. <laughs> and over time, it was just like, they, they just like left me to do a lot of the work and eventually just said, look, right, this is this is your, your thing now. We'll, yeah. we'll leave you to get on with it. Uh, are they? Do you still keep in contact with them at all? Are they still? Yeah, to an extent. It's like I actually saw them at the weekender, and right. that was the first time I'd seen them properly in a long time. It's like, and I had actually, actually said like we, we left this label in right hands. Yeah, their baby's grown into something. It's still that. Right? I'll always say it's still. Right? It's still their baby. Right? They they made they created it. I made it basically. Mm. And when I finally took it over properly, it's like at the time that was when a lot of a lot of producers like Phil were getting really good. Charlie Bosch as well, mm-hmm. he got really good. I think at this point I'd started to hear about you uh, about two thousand and eleven, roughly. Yeah. Uh, I seen the General Bounce thing, and then I seen Cheeky Tracks, and then mm-hmm. roughly there or thereabouts, two thousand and eleven. Yeah, it's like that was a time when a lot of people really got to know me because, like, I say, like I, I can't. Uh, people will probably not believe me when I say this, mm. but I, I never really had a lot of belief in myself. <laughs> it's like, it's like I just, I've always just done what I thought was right. Yeah. And it's like in the hard house scene, I remember like Sam Townend, I've, I've known Sam a very long time. I've known him like since back in the day when I first started going to hard house nights. Yeah. And 
and at the time, obviously, he was like pretty much running rave on with Irish Dave, mm-hmm. and and he was he was still working for Tidy full time, <laughs> and I remember him saying to me, he said, "Look, he said you he said you'd be taken more seriously if you changed the DJ name," and at the time, I was just like, "Yeah, but." This is what everyone knows me. I start be just starting again. It's like it's not like I've come into the hard house scene and started again, like yeah. a lot of people did. It's like I've just come back into it, and you all knew me anyway, right? So, so I just said, look, I'm, I'm not changing my name just to get taken seriously by you guys because that's not the sort of person I am. Mm. And I've always kind of, <laughs> I've always that's something I've always held on to, like what he said to me because. After that, it was like, you know, I actually have a bit of respect, but bit more respect for you than the fact that you weren't back down. Yeah. yeah. Because, he, because I remember him saying to me at the time, he's saying, look, the problem with like doing this full time, it's all consuming. You have to start being, you have to start doing things you don't necessarily want to do. You have to be nice to people you don't necessarily <laughs> like. And that's, that's where I'm going wrong. Well, well, oh, the, the, it just clicked in my head. Well, <laughs> but it's not, it's not that. It's like, I think more of it, you, do, you, have mean, to, you yeah. do have to There's be nice. a professional nice. relationship. Yeah, you have to have a professional relationship. You have to have a business head on you. And the one, yeah. thing I, one thing I've always said is I've never had a business head on me. I've just ended up doing this out of nowhere. Yeah. Right, and this is why I always have respect for people like Kenny and all that, because obviously he went out and he, he, he knew what he wanted from it. He went out and did it. Yeah. Right, so it's like, and obviously he wasn't bothered about necessarily upsetting people on wages he had his goal and he wanted to get there, which is fine. It's like, so, but it's like, I've always been like, I, I, I never saw it as a career because it never really been one for me. I worked full time for most yeah. of the time I was DJing, right? So when, when I actually got to a point where people like, like Sam started really taking seriously when I played a couple of times and said, no, you're actually really good. Like, yeah. That's like, yeah, I feel better about this now. Definitely. I see what you mean, where you're coming from. Yeah. So what was the first sort of big release you had on Cheeky that where you'd taken the, the reins fully? Did you have a, a, an idea in the direction you wanted to go? Because I remember 2012 Cheeky's not like what it is now in regards to style. Um, but the one being the direction I always wanted to take it, even like back when the Cheeky Boys were still running, is, is, is it was at the time there wasn't really a label like what the labels we'd grown up with, like say Positiva, yeah. um, Manifesto, all those sort of labels. Mm. We all the labels had literally gone in the direction of right, this is the sound we're releasing and this is the sound we're focused on. We're not putting anything else out, yeah, right? So I was like, no, we just want want label that releases good quality dance music. Yeah, it doesn't matter what it is, as long as it's good and as long as it fits in with the overall theme yeah. theme of the label. Because it's like I, I said, it just needs to be fun, uplifting. Yeah, because I've, I've heard you release sort of like slower BPM pumping out stuff, and then yeah. I heard you release some of the higher end energy hard house stuff, the bounce. Yeah. Because there's a lot of hard house labels won't touch bounce, for instance. If it's got a donk in it, they'll... Oh, yeah. They're, they're, they're and then at the same time, there's it. a lot of bounce labels. If, you, if you've got a hoover in, they won't touch it. So, but whereas yeah. you were a bit of a, an all-rounder. I, I it's Basically, if I like it, I'll sign it. Yeah. Like, unless it's something that's really not going to fit in with the sound of the label. Like, I've had a few trans tracks that people have sent me, which have actually been really good. Yeah. But I've gone, look, this isn't right. As much as I like this, this isn't right for me. And what I've done with those tracks, I've pointed them in the direction of somebody who will take it. Yeah, and it's the right direction for the, the yeah. track. Yeah. Whereas it's like, it's, in most cases, as long as I like it, I'll release it. Yeah. 
at what point, at what year was it, did you realise that, oh, this, this is starting to grow legs? I think it was just when when people, a, a lot of, like, I think one of the main people who promoted the label in the early days was Callie Gage. She played loads of our stuff. Yeah. And then Amber started playing a lot of our stuff. Yeah. Right, but she didn't pick up, even she didn't pick up a lot of it till later on. Yeah. But it's like, I think it was main people were sort of like Andy Whitby mm-hmm. when he was still playing Hard Dance. Right. right, he was playing a lot of it on his, on his podcasts. Um, he was then you had, like I say, Callie Gage, Roddy Style played a few of them. Yeah, and I rate Roddy massively. Yeah, exactly. Right? Well, he's he's an amazing. Well, he's Somner now, isn't yeah. he? Like he's he's always been an amazing producer. And it's like, and I just thought these are the people I want paying attention to the label. And then some with the bounce releases, obviously, people like Daz Birchall yeah. was a big support. Ricky Gray. Yeah. It's always supported a lot of our stuff, and it's just like you know. And John John Neal, John Neal in particular, he I he's not only played a lot of our stuff, he played a lot of the hard house tracks as well. Yeah, and Nicky B as well. He was another one. You you naming off all the people who who I'm like, yeah, same. It's the same with me. If I send John a tune, send Nicky a tune. If I send like even Daz as well, um, send them tunes. They're the first people to get back to me and say, "This is me." I'm playing this, or this isn't really for me, but I can appreciate it's like it. The, uh, even with, with like people like some of the other Bounce DJs, it's like Cheese was playing a lot of the like Venkman stuff at one point. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it, like I remember going, I remember hearing his mixes, obviously, he's playing them a lot faster than they were made, but it's like that's that's the thing. It's like John even said to me a while back, said, Look, some of these hard house tracks he sent me were made at like 138, so I'm banging at 150. <laughs> well, to be fair, I, I played back to back with Cheese. Um, yeah, maybe 2014 maybe mm. I can't remember maybe even 2013 and I remember I was playing a bounce tune and he, he was playing some of like total control stuff so it was yeah. like quite bouncy and I played the center of the bounce tune and then he brought in a Venkman tune and I was just like oh hey yeah <laughs> and this is thing it's like it was when people because like I said this is what I always set out to do I wanted people to play stuff but wouldn't necessarily like normally yeah. and that's what I wanted people to hear in clubs, and they're just like, "Yes, this is this is what I want." And getting getting somewhere. So, who were the who were the some some of the artists who were um, vital to the to to the thing? Because when mm. I think cheeky, them them sort of times, I know Digital Mafia did a lot of stuff for you. Um, Venkman, um, there was there was there was just like a few artists who floated There's... in the label that were just. There's, right. there's been phases of different artists like right, Elevate was one. He was yeah. one, he was one who got all the because his stuff at the time it was it was hard house, but it had the hard dancey bits that uh, Andy Whitby's like like the dubstep drops yeah. in like sort of the early two thousand ten. Right, he'd have like the dubstep drops in them, but there wouldn't be gratuitous because a lot of the problem with that sort of sound was it was just gratuitous and not really had, went anywhere. Yeah, um, and then. So he his stuff got big, and then it was some of Charlie Bosch's stuff. Yeah. Um, Denkman was another one. His stuff got played quite a lot. Yeah. Um, Ross Homson, Ross when Homson it went the, well, like yeah, the yeah. Mega Man tracks, especially like Look, the, like, like Wobbly Look. Head stuff like that. Oh, I played Wobbly Head in my latest mix. Yeah. Um, Wobbly Head's a great track. Great tune. It's it's class. I like the Mega Man tune. What is it? Is it um, the, hook. The, the, the hook? Yeah. Yeah. I hammered that tune. And like yeah. in bounce sets as well. It's not necessarily a bounce tune, is it? Yeah, it, it's, it, it, because it's got that vocally, it works. Like the thing about people like Ross in is he 
he used to go to the PA. He used to yeah. love a lot of the BCD stuff. Yeah. And it's like, in, 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 this is what you'll find about a lot of hard house producers. And even some of the bounce producers, you'd be like a lot of stuff that you wouldn't have thought they'd liked. Yeah. Like, even in the bounce scene now, you're finding a lot of the, like, certain people like Scott Farrymond, yeah. Catchy, and a couple of other people are, are picking up on. Hard house tracks like Scott Farryman's done like three or four different like re- remakes of hard house tracks. Like he's done, he did Wizard Inspiration, which as soon as I heard he'd done that, I was just like, I'm signing that <laughs> because that was the thing about that track was that was one of those tracks that I always thought, thought because me and Phil back in the day we used to do like donk edits of hard house tracks. Yeah, and it's like and. And I remember hearing that one. And to be fair, we did do a donk edit of that track yeah. last year with Jamie and Justin. And and at, at the time I said that I was waiting for somebody to do that. Cause it's, and then obviously Scott went and did it and completely remade it. I was like, yes, I'm good. Um, you went through a bit of a phase as well with, with uh, Cheeky Tracks. That you were, obviously you were being cheeky and signing like vocal stuff and stuff like everyone does it it's naughty yeah Boot but then you, you really did start to change it and you know, uh, like is the, that when you knew it was getting bigger the main reason i started doing it because because at the time i was out I, I was never really 100 percent comfortable with doing it because the thing is if you get pulled right for a bootleg for all you know, it's like, especially if you've had, if you've had a full-back catalogue of them. Yeah. Right, for all you know, the whole label could get taken down. And especially in the streaming age, mm. it's like, tunes can literally just get big out of nowhere. It is, right, right like TikTok, TikTok does it, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, TikTok does it. Like, we, we, I think we've had the, the first sort of viral hard house tune on TikTok because like, Kid Dynamo loves so deep. Like, yeah. all, all of a sudden, it started getting started getting plays out of nowhere it was a big track anyway mm. with a lot of the hard house djs but also it i just noticed all, all of a sudden with loads of comments on the soundcloud and on the youtube channel saying tiktok brought me here i was like eh? and then i went on tiktok and there's loads of people who have done videos mm. with that yeah. track plus right but so it's like and that's the sort of tune you wouldn't expect to get big like that yeah right so it's it, but it was long before then as well. I just thought, you know what, I need to start reining it in with these bootlegs. And I'd even spoke to Ian Redmond as well, and he said a lot of the problem with some of said you could really do something big with this label, but you just need to stop releasing bootlegs. At least yeah. get stuff free sung. Yeah. Right. And because the label had started making money at that point, I thought, yeah, at this point I can encourage people to do it because I think that was a lot of the problem. People didn't want to spend money and invest in the tracks because they don't make much back. They yeah, don't. Yeah, they don't yeah. make much back. Right? Because I, the first tune I released with you was uh, mine and Digi Mafia's tune. Yeah. I'm free. But obviously, that's that's a naughty. Well, that was wasn't that a Cascada vocal or something? No, that was. I can't remember where it was. Free. It wasn't Cascada. I know that. But what I mean is, like, it, it, we shouldn't have really released it. But obviously. At the time, it was just one of the things yeah. that, right, literally every label was doing it. Cause this was before the days of YouTube monetization. Uh, as yeah, well. it was. Yeah, like so, it's like no, no one was making money out of music then. Yeah, it right. was literally DJs' sales that you were, you were, you were. Yeah, you were having yeah. to rely on DJ sales, and this because yeah. it, I think the only, the first ones who really picked up on stream were obviously like the commercial house acts, mm-hmm. right? But even then, it's like you didn't have the the YouTube monetization thing, and now you've got that whole monetization where if you release a bootleg now you can't monetize it on youtube because it'll just get flagged as the, the original track right so now it's like 
have really reined in the boot legs because Absolutely. it's just it's just not worth it. It's it, a better image as well. Like it, it, definitely... gives, it gives the label a better image because it makes you look more professional. Right. And it's like, to be fair, a lot of the major labels, they're, they're signing boot legs and just getting them re-sung or whatever. But, mm. but at the same time, they're more likely to sign something from a smaller label if it's all ready to go. Yeah, yeah. I understand so what you mean. That's the main thing with, the, with that is like, I just want... if think bigger <laughs> yeah. so I want to get into some Dave Gray party stories so yeah you're, you're renowned for a a good party yeah. you are aren't you yeah. uh, so I want to get into the, the void thing you, you, you took a residency on there and obviously you, I've heard some of the stories of like it's a pretty wild place isn't it like like well, what I, that, that was something else that just came about by chance as well because what um I was playing for a couple of guys down at a bounce night in in the gay village anyway, yeah. uh, called Bounce Therapy, and they'd started that back up at Void when he because Void was originally um, people might know it as Morning Glory years ago. Yeah, it was yeah, basically yeah. it was basically a bounce night that used to be on during the morning on a Sunday. that went on to one o'clock, but then when the new owners took it over, and uh, they they turned it into more of a, a housey place, and. I just went, I think it was on the Saturday nights when we didn't have anything on to do, like, um, Danny and, D Danny and Daz, who had the bounce night on, they'd, yeah. they'd let them have that on there. But then Danny was a, a resident for the Void After Hours. Yeah. And he was going on, he was going away to Ibiza for a couple of months, so he asked me if I wanted to do it, but I told me I'd have to play house music. And then they just kept me on, because I, the main thing was we... Um, Phil got involved as well. We were yeah. playing the closing set like seven, seven in the morning till ten. Class, right? So that would suit me to the ball. Well, thing is, it's like it was a really good opportunity for me because I got to play a lot of the house stuff that I liked. Yeah, and also because it was the last set, right? I could always play what I wanted. A lot of the guys down there obviously like bounds. Yeah, and I just thought, you know what? I'm just gonna do my things, like sort of build it up from playing house music. Yeah. And then start banging it out a bit, and then I'd, I'd just—I just ended up staying there <laughs> for, for six years. I was—I shut the doors on the place because right. it's like when um, the the date shut down was my birthday, and I was the last person on that weekend. Right, so it was just like I got to close the doors on the place, and thought, I think at the time um, I'd been the longest running person there. <laughs> mental, it's it's mental, like, but um, yeah, so. You've, you've played a big variation of events over the years. Like, yeah. um, I can remember, I think the first time I seen you play, did you play Sanctuary in Blackpool? Does, it, does that ring a bell? Yes, it was Sanctuary versus Frequency. Right. It's Sanctuary versus Frequency. And um, because obviously I ran Merseyside and a lot yeah. of the Sanctuaries used to go on Time to Come Alive. Yeah. They had a Merseyside versus Time to Come Alive room. And I played back to back with RJ. Yeah. Right, so that was, uh, that was the time I played there. And also I played I, I played for Sanctuary a few years after that when it was on, on a really old Maxims. When Max, because what was it called? Cube or something? Cube, like yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so I played from then, but yeah, that if, if that was 2009, I remember that night. Yeah. When I played for um, Sanctuary versus Frequency because it's really funny because it was at Halo in Warrington. Is it Halo? That's yeah. where it was. And... Um, I just remember my mum had told me a story like a couple of years before where she'd been, she'd been to see one of those chuffing weird medium types and been told that they could see her son walking down a red carpet and um, doing 
for some big music event. And when I got to it, I just thought, yeah, wherever. But then when I got to um, Halo, it's like, I got very, had a red carpet for the um, DJs. It's just like, I, was, I remember walking past this big queue thinking, oh, don't feel comfortable doing it. <laughs> yeah. And the mates were in, it was like, went to Bowser and said, uh, can my mates come in? We said, yeah, but we'll have to come down this side. Like the side of the carpet. And it's like walking down, just going, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then it's like, right, that's it. That's all you told me about how a medium said I'd be walking down a red carpet and I'd be be a musician. It's just like, yeah, it happened last night. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, um, what what sort of, what's your memorable hard house nights that you've played? Oh, God, loads. um, Um, Because this is the thing, it's like a lot of the best events I've played at have been hard house nights. Yeah. Um, The main ones would be the two tidy weekends that I've played at. Were they messy? yeah, <laughs> you, were you playing them messy, and or were you being yeah, a bit that's... of a pro, or like playing them um, and get messy? Uh, right. Well, I'll just explain from the start. Right, a lot of people have said this. They said I'm really good at holding it together, even when I'm extremely wrecked. Yeah. Right, but um, and this is this thing. It's like I I I just go into work mode when I'm DJing. It, it doesn't matter what state I'm in. I just don't like yeah. going to work mode, and. The first weekend I played that was it was the second because well, it went tidy the ideal band for a while yeah and then they did the ideal tidy weekend in two thousand and fourteen and that was when I got booked um basically I was asked to play on the Friday as well in the foyer playing in the shit disco bit where yeah. we'd be playing eighty songs and stuff I've seen the video mate oh. and, uh, well this is the thing it's like before that <laughs> like at the time um I was going on the Thursday night yeah. and I thought. I'm going to need to be wrecked for this to be able to deal with this because because obviously people are coming into the weekend and yeah. like checking in and stuff. Right, so it's like I ended up getting absolutely, I, I won't say exactly what I did, but I took a lot of illegal things. Yeah. And um, I've and, seen the video of you when uh, you're dressed in like some sort of. I, I was dressed outfit. as a dragon. I was dressed yeah. as a dragon. And I just thought, you didn't die. so I got shit faced to that. And then it's like, that's where you can see in videos and playing like Dran Dran, the reflex and yeah. stuff like that. But then it's like, after that, I just carried on. And the main set was the Saturday night in the um, the third arena. Yeah. And I'd not slept. I was in an absolute state. <laughs> and, but I'd, I'd, somehow I readied myself to play my set. Yeah. And I got on, started, started playing the set. I've got a recording of it as well. And it's like, I, I honestly can't remember much about that set. I just remember playing one of my own tracks in it, like when I, because it was the, um, Hard House version of Clouds Above that I did. Uh, camp Collective. Yeah, the Camp Collective yeah. one. Love, and, um, love Camp Collective. And the thing is, we did, we, we did that for comedy value more than anything, but that seemed to be... True. We, we just thought, I, I remember when um, we, me and James thought of doing that, we were just like, you know what, that would actually really work and we could probably make people dance to it. I love the riff on it as well. Yeah. But that's like, we, we did... We, uh, but I played that and I just remember playing that like sort of 40 minutes into my set. And that was a bit where I sort of like woke up properly a bit because I just Come been, I just got in autopilot. I just yeah. heard I just heard people cheering when it was coming in, like like I just played the dawn. <laughs> and it's like and when I, when I started playing, there was like twenty people in the room. By the, by that point, it was two hundred. Yeah. And and then it was just like the rest of the set. It's like <laughs> as I remember coming off the decks at the end of it, and there's people coming to me going, "That was the best set you've played in fucking months," and I'm just like. 
I'm glad you can remember. I know. I it wasn't even me. I'm glad you you can remember because I can't. And the thing is, a couple of people got videos of me DJing. Yeah. And when you see the videos, I look fine. When you see the photos, yeah, I look fucking else. horrific. And it's like I remember, I remember like one of them was actually on the official photos as well. Fantastic. And it's like, and I, 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 somebody sent me a copy of a photo the other day actually. And he's like, I've not seen for years. And it's just Why like, don't you send me it, right? And I'll drop it in right yeah, now. I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, say, I'll, I'll send you and again. Yeah, no, 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 send me yeah, it. And it, I'll, I'll, I'll put it in and you can have a look at the state of Dave. It's, right, it's, I've it, seen you in some states, man. Well, the well, thing is, like, right, I remember Sam, Sam, I saw Sam Townham the next week after the weekend. And he said, right, and he said to me, he said, that is the worst photo I've ever seen from a weekender. And bearing in mind, he's obviously been to every single one. I'm just like, yeah. Yeah, impressive, <laughs> impressive. But I'll yeah. I'll take that award. But but yeah, it's like that. That was the way would it? I do have really good memories of that weekend. There were some funny videos for it. Because by the yeah. by the Sunday night, I was just I, I'd still not slept. I was <laughs> I was just an absolute disgrace. How long how long recovery time do you have after a weekend? Oh, after the weekenders, um, the first one I went to, right? I I. I Went into work on the Tuesday, which is a big mistake because I ended up getting sent home because I couldn't. I, I at the time it's like I'd been dancing all weekend, and then I was. This is the point where I just turned thirty once. So I'm getting old, <laughs> and, like, and, and I couldn't walk. They had to send me home. Right, so the next year when we did it, I just thought, you know, what, I'm booking the whole week off. Yeah, and I, bu I booked the whole week off, and it. It take if you if you've stayed up all weekend, it does take a few days. Yeah, and it, even if you haven't stayed up all weekend, it can take a few days because it's like this year, um, I I got like three hours sleep for the whole weekend. I don't sleep a lot anyway, yeah. so three hours sleep for me, like when I've been on it all weekend, is actually not too bad. Yeah, right. Whereas I sleep two hours in a normal night, and. This year, to be fair, most people came home with COVID. Everyone who came, everyone who seemed to be in contact with me had COVID that weekend. I felt like I had a bit of a cold. It might have been COVID for all I know. Yeah. Right, but yeah, it took me until Friday to recover. <laughs> you, you do you do need to book decent recovery time for a, for a tidy weekend because well, it's a long weekend. Yeah. Rough. Yeah. <laughs> like I remember on the Monday morning, it's, yeah, it's like I was going around people's chalets with a water pistol, like waking people up. <laughs> right, we're just going to end this section now. We'll be back in two minutes. Uh, back again for section two of the podcast. Uh, this one is questions from everybody. Uh, if you want to, if you want to write in questions, just uh, it's at it's time to refresh um, on all social medias. Just send a message on there. Um, you can write in anything because what I'm about to ask right now is random but it is what it is i suppose um so dave i don't know if you've watched any of the episodes but this there is, sometimes it's very music related other times it's 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 not no worries <laughs> so this one is Ori mara yeah so it's obviously a white earthener um <laughs> absolutely smashing it with the podcast mate i'm writing to you because you said ask me anything so here goes What's your opinion on people walking in your into your house? I don't just mean anyone. I'm on about family and close friends just rocking up and letting themselves in. This was never a thing in my house growing up. If we had guests, we'd have planned it in advance since getting with my other half. I find this happening loads. I like my afternoon naps or to pull one off on a Friday after work. <laughs> <laughs> but it's getting ridiculous, people walking in my house. My girlfriend's mum came in last 
Friday whilst I was napping on the sofa and I thought it was someone breaking in. She nearly got fucking throat punched. Uh, before you say, just lock your door, problem solved. I've always had an open door whilst in my house and I shouldn't need to lock my... Oh, he put lick my doors. He meant lock. Shouldn't need to lock my doors before so it wasn't a problem. Come on, Mara, tell me you're on my side here. And that's from Lewis. Yeah, I don't like people walking in my house either. I um, don't. But, but um, I did... Where I grew up in Dewsbury, it was, let's just say it was one of those sort of like poor areas where people just like walking in and yeah. out of your house. Right, we, it never happened in our house, but it always happened to me aunties and people like that, so. Yeah. In, in where I grew up, I grew up on a council estate, it was like your neighbours would just walk in yeah. and like, hey, have you got these? I'm like, that was normalised. Yeah, me. I, grew, I grew up on um, a pretty shitty council estate yeah. as well, right, so it's like, I know it's like, it's like... Re- and the norm, isn't it? It just seems to be the norm in a lot of places like cause where, I I grew up in somewhere where I... You, you, you talk about the, the single mum thing, right, where it's, people just think it's a meme, where, oh, the single mum who feeds a mum for kids on Space Raider Butties. And like, I saw <laughs> I saw people I know grow up on Space Raider Butties so the mum could go to the pub. Yeah, I've seen mm. some bad shit. Um, I've seen, like, um, the kids, like get fucking Tesco's own pot noodles uh, yeah. while the mum, like, scraped together as much as she could to go out on the town and it's yeah. just been left and the, yeah. it's not nice. Um, <laughs> yeah. So if you want my opinion on that, um, my opinion is uh, I agree with you because I, I don't like it when people do it at my house. So, But obviously growing up it was a different story. But in my house I like to have, like, a anyone's welcome policy um, yeah. to my house just please let me know you're coming in advance yeah because I could be asleep on the sofa probably not pulling one off because I've got my kid in that house and you know like <laughs> he's, he's, he's constantly wanted attention so I don't have the spare time to do that nowadays <laughs> don't have time for a danger wank no no uh, not nowadays anyways so yeah that, that's if you want an answer um, I'm entirely on your side Lewis so our next question is afternoon Brad I've got a question is there a track out there that you want to remix and haven't for whatever reason, and that's for Ben from Ben. Oh God, there's loads. Go on, go on, Dave. What have you? What there's, have abso- you there's absolutely loads. But no, but there's like, one. You need one. Of I can't. Them. I can't think of just one because I bet you'd be dead cheesy. If if there's there's some cheap cheesy one, but it's like the, the thing is with with remixing stuff, it's like like these days somebody else is gonna think of it. I think one I've always wanted to do is Urban Cookie Collective for Keep a Secret. Right, right, because that that's just always been one of my favorite tracks. It's, it's gay as fuck, but it's uh, I love it. It's, I love it's, it. it's just it just it reminds me really kids. <laughs> <laughs> if I had to pick one, what would it be? I'd love to do a proper official remix of Pretty Green Eyes. I know it's it's dead generic, but like I'd love for 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 Ultra B to come back, and it's not even just for me to remix it. Mm. To come and just say right, we're, we're going to celebrate. 20 years since the release or something like that because yeah, it is 20 years it is 20 years yeah yeah and just say uh, we're gonna do all dedicated to different styles and then I'd love to just go there's a bounce remix of it yeah I know there's, there has been loads done and yeah. but yeah officially I'd love to remix that like, all, that's, a, that's a bit generic I've right? always loved that song though yeah I've always loved that song um, if I it would either be that or I would like I know this is proper random, but like I'd love to do something like um, Groove Jet. Like, it's like somebody's it's just done a really good like hard trans version of that. <laughs> yeah, but do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I'd love yeah. to get, I'd officially remix that and like 
incorporate all the all the things. Yeah, I think right. I think it was Charlie Bosch did it with Adam Taylor because they call themselves Chip Shop Boys. Right, but yeah, yeah. Somebody's just done that, and it's actually really good. Because <laughs> I bet I played it on Last Bat Door Bangers actually. Class, I, I love them mixes. By the way, um, next one is. Let me see. So sorry about this. Oh, if you could work with any vocalist, money is not an object. Who would it be? And I haven't put a name against that Ooh. one. I'm sorry. Um, money's not no object. I've got like a list of um of of that I would love to work with. The I'd two the two that I'd love to work with are dead. Yeah, no. Okay. <laughs> who would you love to work with? It's it's there's no objection to say of, of who it could be. If, if it's some right, if I can pick a dead one. Yeah. <laughs> without without any the sound sounds like matter of fact about it. It's like pick Kemp Louise Dean. Um, she sang um, Shiva Freedom. Right. Like, she, and I remember, like, she, right, she literally sang on two two records before she died. And it's mm-hmm. like, but her vocals are incredible. And it's like, and every time I hear the two songs she did, she did Shiva Work It Out and Freedom. Mm-hmm. It's like, every time I listen to her song, it's like, she's just got, she was really young as well. She just had, like, this big, powerful voice. And yeah. it's like, and you can imagine if if she'd lived and she'd still been going, she'd have sung on some incredible records. And it's like I I would love to have worked with her. I did actually do a bootleg of one of the tracks, God knows how many years ago. And it's like, oh, her vocal, <laughs> her vocals just touch me. If I could, if I could work with vocalists, I've, I've you might you might notice the theme, but mm. I'd love to work with like Avril Lavigne. I just think she. I know it's cheesy, but come on, Dave, it's good. I don't uh, like her voice. I, I love it. Um, Hayley Williams from Paramore just because uh, when she when she jumped over and started doing the EDM stuff like with that stay the night with Zed I thought that, yeah she's actually got she's actually what? got some decent she has actually got decent vocals so it's like yeah. she, she's good she's really good for Dan's records and I did actually say because I, I played um, on the last Cheeky show I did I did um, I played Alex's mix of Paramore into yeah. you and it's and I've always said that her vocals just seem to work on Dan's tracks Yep, fantastic. And the last one would be I know I've just mentioned fucking Groove Jet, but Sophie Alice Bexter. I'd love I think she's just got off I've got a guilty pleasure for her and it's classic. I saw I actually sort of saw like right, she was supporting steps for me and Ryan went to see her. <laughs> yeah, yes, I I'm not asked to say steps are the best pop band in the world. Yeah. Right, but she was supporting steps for me and Ryan went to see her um before Christmas. And um right she She's still still got it. She's still a really yeah. good singer. I watched the kitchen sessions during lockdown. I yeah, she, she, well, she made a whole album off the back of that, didn't she? Yeah. So. Uh, I love that uh, crying at the discotheque. Oh, yeah. Love love it. Yeah, as you can tell. <laughs> um, right, I'm just going to tie this one up today, if that's all right, because we had an amazing first section that went on forever. And I don't want to bore people with these long podcasts because I've had that, them complaints do you know something? If it's a good podcast, it should be going on for for a long time. Come on, half he's watched Joe Rogan. Joe yeah. Rogan's go on to like three and a half hours, like every two or three days. Yeah, it's like, ridiculous. Just, like, right, but but the thing is, I I like that because it's like it it just does what we're doing now. We're having a conversation. It's like and you get, get the deep stuff, don't you? Where yeah, we like, get loads in. It's like there's loads there's loads more we could have talked about today. So it's yeah. like should we make yeah. it a two parter? Um, I've got a little thing with Patreon that I'm doing. I'm yeah. going to be doing. It's going to be, it's time to refresh after hours. Yeah. So it's going to be two guests. Yeah. One, uh, uh, and, and there's going to be beers out. So I'll definitely get you up to mine. We'll do it. I'm up for that. And then, and then 
you can go for three hours and it's got and you can say wherever you want because it's behind a paywall yeah and you can sign up now by the way i'm just gonna plug it <laughs> yeah. yeah sign up now to patreon um we've got lots of good stuff coming uh, and patreon.com it's it's time to refresh right Excellent. so uh is there anything oh before we move on as well i'm gonna ask you you're getting the electric chair because of something you've wrote online and it's got your banned because you're a controversial figure uh it's the only thing you get banned for. You're a lovely guy. You wouldn't murder anybody, I don't think. So, so yeah, you're getting the electric chair because of some of your views that you put out online. What's the last meal you're having? What's the last meal I'm having? Ooh, that's a hard one. Well, are you... I, re I really don't know. I, I think I'd have to have a, have a full-on, like, steak and all the fucking trivia. I don't know what is going on here. Everyone who says this this thing, they go for the steak. What is I'd, going I'd, on? Right, oh, it'd have to be um, Ryan Walker's Mrs. Natalie. Right, it'd have to be one of one of her one of, one of her paellas. Lovely. Like, she, she's, Paella. She's, she's an amazing she's an amazing cook. It's like her her food is literally Instagram food, but it's not even trying to be Instagram food. She just makes it look good. <laughs> so. Right, I just want to tie this episode up by saying thank you for coming on and where can people find you? No worries. Um, you can find me on SoundCloud, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. It's like, it's like yeah. DJ General Bounce. All my music is on is, is on Sound, SoundCloud, MixCloud and YouTube. I do, obviously, backdoor bangers, so don't do it often anymore because I'm focusing on doing the Cheeky Show podcast, yeah. which is where you get to hear me properly. Yeah. Right, so I'm doing that every month. That goes out of a second Thursday of every month. Yeah. And like I said, so it's SoundCloud, it's called YouTube. And if you want to find me on Facebook, just posting random shit and being, being a knob, right, then find me on Facebook. <laughs> Excellent. I uh, just want to say thank you to everyone for listening. Um, and you. share with your mates as well because... As I say, the more people we reach, the bigger it gets, the more fun we get to have. Yeah. And we're looking at starting these after hours episodes very soon, which hopefully I, we'll I get like Dave involved. Yeah, it's going to be good. Thanks for listening, everyone. It's been a pleasure. See ya. See ya.